We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for January, or I'm sorry, February 6th, 2011, and we're going to continue our report regarding this UFO over Jerusalem and an overview of the whole alien UFO deception that is coming. We're going to shift gears, kind of go into more of a Christian um, viewpoint regarding this. We looked at the secular viewpoints, what they're expecting, and um, now we're going to look at this from a Christian standpoint. So, this is from January 29th. It's also from um, lookupfellowship.com. And it's entitled, UFO Seen Over Jerusalem. Whenever, and this is from um, J-Red, the, the, that's his handle he uses. Whenever I speak of the mystery of what I've called the spiritual conversions, this is exactly what I mean by that. Now, when he says that, what he's talking about is this UFO over Jerusalem. And he's going to explain that here. In a second. There is just no other way to describe this. Before I get to what has been shaking, has me shaking my head, the title of this piece clearly gives it away. Just stop for a moment and marvel at the likelihood that this title appears in the, in the news by mere chance after the entry I just put up on the Global Competitiveness Forum 2011. Now that's what we just talked about. The Global Competitiveness Forum 2011. That business meeting, okay? That we talked about. So in other words, it, right after this global competitive forum, now we have this um, sighting of this UFO orb over the Temple Mount, over the Dome of the Rock, uh, filmed by four different people. And he's going to try to tie all this together. Um, the unprecedented and unusual content seriously discussed there at this competitive, uh, this global competitive forum uh, with world business leaders and political leaders, and its and its likely connection to President Obama's odd choice of words in his State of the Union speech that occurred simultaneously within the Middle Eastern Forum. Remember, Christians don't believe in coincidence like the rest of the world does. There is no Hebrew word for coincidence either. Secularly speaking, I once heard someone say, "You know what they say about coincidence, right? It takes a lot of planning." End of quote. Now that we're all on the same page, please take a look at what we just stumbled upon here. And again, it's smoking gun UFO footage over Jerusalem. Aliens are here. This video, and again, it's the footage of the UFO over the Temple Mount. The video opens all kinds of questions. Do aliens, now this is from a secular standpoint, uh, a, a caption, and it says, this video opens all kinds of questions. Do aliens take an interest in our religions? Why, why would he say that? Well, it's over the most religious spot on the planet. The Temple Mount and the Dome of the Rock. You know, and there's, you know, um, the whole, the, and then the whole significance of how that relates into uh, Christianity as well. Okay, so, do aliens take an interest in our religions? Did the aliens have a hand in creating our belief systems? Ooh. That's a big one. You better believe they're going to claim they did. Not only that, they're going to claim they created us. The ancient astronaut theory. Okay, and again, I've said this before, and I've done a whole teaching on this. Intelligent design. Do you know what intelligent design is literally based on if you boil it and boil it and boil it back? It's based on the ancient astronaut theory. Their creator in intelligent design is not the creator of the Bible. And I've proven this. Okay, it is the ancient astronaut theory, where these, you know, 
aliens or slash ascended masters came here millions of years ago and created us and we're the little science project. That's what intelligent design is based on. That's why I don't support it, you know, in the schools. Because it's just repackaged, it's a really repackaged way of, of, of introducing ancient astronaut theory into the, into the school systems. It's not Christian. And again, I've done a whole study on that, contendingfortruth.com. Go to the downloads section and key down, and I think it's intelligent design is what it would be under. It's all in alphabetical order. Anyway, so, did aliens have a hand in creating our belief systems? And finally, is this object, the star that was seen over, is this object that, uh, that was seen over the Temple Mount, the same star that was seen over nearby Bethlehem at the time of the birth of Jesus? Now, where does this... Why did he even go there? Because Satan is most concerned about destroying the faith of Christians. Okay? And any way, in any angle, they can use to do that, they will do. I have heard that when they make their big debut, I've heard this from several people that have either been um, given... uh, testimony of, let's say, an abduction, or they channeled some demon, or whatever, that when the Antichrist and the false prophet make their big debut, and when disclosure is made, one of the first things they will do is tell us how flawed all of our religious systems are, particularly Christianity, and how we've got it totally wrong, and that actually Jesus is an ascended master, and they're actually going to have footage, footage, they're going to show of supposedly what took place when Jesus Christ was crucified. And it's not going to be like the Bible says. It's going to basically do, they're going to do everything they can to destroy your faith. Now can you imagine if they supposedly, on a worldwide scale, put up, and again, they're always preoccupied with Bible-believing Christianity. They're not really worried about Hinduism and Buddhism, and they're all cults. Their main threat is the God of the Bible, is the Word of God, and the biblical account upon which we place our faith in as born-again Christians. So can you imagine if after they make their big debut and they come with all line signs and wonders and and there's been all this cataclysm and world war and and famine and all the people are so desperate, and then all of a sudden... They show, and then there are all these things in the skies and plagues and pestilences and, oh, you name it. And then all of a sudden, they show this, you know, uh, technicolor film of what actually happened at the resurrection, where they actually show Jesus wasn't really crucified at all. I mean, I don't know what they would try to present, maybe the Holy Blood, Holy Grail, the Da Vinci Code thing, where Jesus actually was whisked off the cross and, um, married uh, Mary Magdalene, and they had children, and this is where they propagate the Merovingian bloodline, which is one of the 13 families of the Illuminati, which is where most of all the kings in the European region descended from, or at least have partly in their bloodline lineage. That's probably one of the things they may try to say. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what angle they're going to take. But I guarantee you, the angle they will take will try to maximally destroy your faith in the Word of God. So get it settled now. Your faith in the Word of God. Get grounded in the Word of God because if you wait and you're not even... Your faith is is, is wavering now. Well, wait to see what comes. You're, You're not, you know... We'll be tested. We'll be tried. The Bible's clear on that. You know? So, 
anyway, this is just something that, that, that could have a gigantic impact. And not only that, but can you imagine if like you were a born-again Bible-believing Christian, okay, and you were, you were grounded, and then all of a sudden this happens, and let's say your family's not born again. They're going to descend on you like a pack of whatever, Rabid dogs, most likely, say, oh, see, we told you, your Jesus isn't even true. You had it all wrong. You're, you believed in a lie. This, I mean, there's going to be all this pressure um, from not only the secular media, not only these ascended masters, not only world government, but from within your own families to abandon your faith. I, it's just the way I see it playing out. Jesus Christ said, think not that I came to bring peace. I can't, nay, I, I actually rather came to bring division. And a man's foes will be those of his own household. Mother against daughter, father against son. That's what Jesus Christ said. You know? Um, we should be expecting these things to happen. And that might be the real linchpin for that to really happen. Because there's going to be a lot of people that, um, they're going to be so relieved. Because we don't have to answer to a holy God. And they were, in this Bible, it was just a lie anyway. And I can just send my brains out and do whatever I want to do. And then there's going to be no consequences. All I got to do is follow these devils that claim to be my creators. And I can be as a god. I'm telling you. I believe this is the true crux of the strong delusion that's coming. I may be wrong. I don't think I am. I may be wrong. But even if I am, I want to prepare you for this potential scenario that may happen. Better to be safe than sorry. You know, better to be forewarned than totally unaware of a particular scenario that may happen. All I'm telling you is that I've been researching this for like 15 plus years now, and everything just has kept falling into place over and over and over and over. And in some way, shape, or form, this scenario will go down. Maybe not exactly like I've described it. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, let's go further. So this guy says, and finally, is the object, the star that was seen, that this orb was over the Temple Mount, is this the same star that was um, nearby Bethlehem at the time of the birth of Jesus? Unbelievable. They always got to attack the Bible. Always got to attack the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, perhaps this UFO visit to the Dome of the Rock slash Temple Mount is a prelude to open contact believed by many, which is only a short time away. I have to admit, it's a pretty strong indicator that we may have disclosure this year. I don't know. I don't know. But... It's definitely, you know, Maitreya hasn't really been saying a lot uh, since that whole star thing, the star sign from um, not, well, really the, the December of not this last year, but the year before that. Remember he went on George Norrie and he did that interview and George Norrie got so overwhelmed and sick talking to Benjamin Krem and he had interviewed like, I don't know, how many hundreds and hundreds of people. He said it's never happened to him. No, thousands, I think, of people he's interviewed. He says he was never overcome. He had to stop the interview. And I did a whole teaching on that. George Nori and Maitreya, the interview. He's never had to stop an interview. You know, and we're talking George Nori's interviewed some high level, you know, Satanists, Luciferians. I mean, they, they may not call themselves that on, on, on the thing, but they are high level witchcraft. And, but Benjamin Krem, Maitreya's mouthpiece, 
Maitreya's false prophet, the John the Baptist of Maitreya. Okay, essentially the counterfeit John the Baptist of Maitreya. Stops George Norrie in his tracks and overwhelms him so much. And they're talking about this star sign where they're going to see these gigantic UFOs appearing in different parts of the earth. And these sightings are going to increase all the way up until the time Maitreya makes his big debut. Most likely in conjunction with several other of these devil ascended masters who are saying they're going to be in control of all these UFOs, or at least many of them. Or they're going to be the ones, the good guys, because there's going to be bad UFOs. So it's going to be good good cop, bad cop. That's another scenario we see with, the, with this whole alien UFO phenomenon. Supposedly, there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. And the good ones are here to help humanity, and they created us. But see, they're dealing with this malevolent, bad race that are here to basically not help us, and here to destroy us, essentially. And we need to get on the, the side of the aliens with the white hats, because the aliens with the black hats are, are if we don't do that then we're going to be destroyed by the aliens and the black hats. So there's, a lot of this is going to be motivated out of fear as well. Now again, these are possible scenarios. How much of this actually plays out? Hard to say. It's really up to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one in control of all of this. It's not like the devil's up there and he's doing all this stuff without getting permission from the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Job. He had to get permission to do what he did to Job. Okay? So... It's no different now. So we have to understand that. Remember, God is sending the strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, very important. We always remember that. Okay? And I believe that's why he's letting certain people, uh, myself included, and there's, there's others, get this word out so that we're not unaware of this particular situation. Remember, the Bible says in Matthew 24, 24, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And this is regarding the end times and the Antichrist coming to power. Uh, going further, it says, before we proceed, let's remember 2 Timothy uh, 1, seven. for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So again, a good verse to dwell on. Going further, it said, folks, this is everything that myself and many others have been trying to warn you about. The coming unholy marriage between these demonic beings that the world will be told are, quote, aliens and their relationship to the major religions of the world. Wow. I mean, that's heavy. I hadn't even really thought about that concept of that. But when you have something take place right over the most religious spot on the planet, you have to start thinking, yeah, they're really going to try to work this religious angle, aren't they? Sure they are. They know that's the only way to unite the whole world in a one world system. You can't do it from a political standpoint. You can't do it from a nationalistic standpoint. Like, I'm an American and I'm a German. Okay, how are we all going to get on the same page? Uh, how, how am I, an American... Going to get on the same page as a Russian, and on the same page as somebody from China and this. And not only that, how am I as, let's say, and I'm not, but let's say I'm an American Seventh-day Adventist. Or I'm an American um, Catholic. Or I'm an, whatever. How am I going to get on the same page as a, somebody from India who is a Hindu? How is that going to, how are we going to tear down all those walls well, this is the logical scenario to make that happen. Line signs and wonders, um, 
And then somebody that comes and says he's got all the answers and basically comes and says, you know, listen, we created all these world religions just to kind of give you something to do, all you people. We're actually your awaited saviors. We actually created you. And here's, you know, here's the thing. I mean, it's surprise. This is what, sorry, we didn't tell you earlier, but, you know, this is, this is the way it all went down. So just drop all this religious dogma. Granted, some of your religion is good, and you can incorporate that into our coming one world religion, which, you know, um, the Antichrist will pretty much be at the head of that, and the false prophet will probably be the most religious, highest religious figure of that movement. But you can drop all this denominational uh, garbage, and, and, and the Hindus, and the Buddhists, and the Taoists, and the, and the Mormons, and the Jehovah Witnesses, and all these different sects of religions and cults out there, we can all agree on one thing. That, and this is what they're going to be most likely saying, that we created you. We created your religious systems. Um, you've got it wrong on a lot of different areas. And they're going to have all these lying signs and wonders to bolster what they're saying. Now, come under, give up to the beast, take this mark of the beast, without which you won't be able to buy, sell, or trade anyway, so you better do it. And if you don't do it, you're going to get your head chopped off. Uh, listen, there's benefits to, to following the Antichrist and the false prophet. Uh, we're going to have all the answers. We'll have this big, big nice utopia. We're going to have a one-world government, one-world political system, one-world economic system, one-world uh, currency. And we're all going to tear down all these barriers between us, and we're gonna, it's going to be like the Tower of Babel. You know, it's going to be like then, when we're all together, we all come together as one, and we can have one big occult religion with witchcraft as its literal backbone. Because the Bible says he, the Antichrist is going to cause craft to prosper in his hand. He is going to be a speaker of dark sentences. He, his power upon which he performs the lying signs and wonders and miracles is going to be the highest level witchcraft that the world has ever known. Well, where do you see that trend where we're heading toward witchcraft? Look at all the... Hollywood movies and books and things and all the obsession with vampires and werewolves and Harry Potter and witchcraft and sci-fi and, and the aliens and all what is the source of all their powers in those shows? It's witchcraft. Even a vampire or a werewolf. It's it's a high level form of witchcraft that gives them that ability to shape shift. Harry Potter, pure witchcraft. That is going to be the coming essence of, and I'm sure there will be people that retain a semblance of their particular religion, Buddhism, and they're going to co-mingle and intermingle. It's all going to be compatible. It's all going to be good. And that's how it's going to most likely happen. So, uh, going further here, um, the world will be told... Uh, let's see, the coming unholy marriage between these demonic beings that the world will be told are aliens in their relationship to the major religions of the world. Just reread the last statement for this man's new age and unbiblical perspective on the whole subject because there's your proof of how the majority of the world will respond to any full disclosure type of event. You better believe that when full disclosure happens, the main, main thing people are going to be obsessed with is disproving the Bible. Totally disproving all the biblical accounts. Going to them. They're going to be begging. Begging these alien, devil, fallen angelic 
imposters, demonic, to, I think a lot of people are going to be begging them to prove to them that the Bible is wrong. They're going to be one, wanting to know so bad how the Christians are so deceived and this thorn in their side that Christianity has been so that they can go and rub our noses in it and say, see, we were right all along. You don't know a thing. I'm telling you, I think as much disdain in, uh, that I see of uh, Christianity, you know, and the Bible the Bible says, you know, <laughs> Uh, there, it's normal for the world to hate Bible-believing Christians. It is normal for that. Blessed are you when all men revile and hate you and speak all manner of evil about you. For great is your reward in heaven. Jesus Christ even said those things. So now, what I'm going to do is I, I interjected some things in here that I thought were appropriate. I'm going to look at the um, a, a short clip. We're going to listen to a short clip from, I guess, the... I don't have uh, regular TV anymore. And um, the the miniseries actually started up again. And I did find some stuff, some clips on the on YouTube about it. And we're going to just play this up to the 41 second mark because after that it, it's just all visual. But I, I think there's some things in this. Now remember, when you hear this man te- talking, he's, he's posing as he's a Catholic priest. Okay, in the particular mini. That's the only semblance of religiosity that you see from from a from a supposed Christian standpoint that you'll see. Now I understand Catholics are the farthest thing from a Christian. Okay, and I've amply proven that over over many, many studies. But we are always the Catholics are always lumped in and considered by the secular media as Christian. And that way they can point to all the pedophile priests and all the hypocrisy and all the garbage that goes on in the Catholic Church and say, look at those Christians. And the Zeitgeist movement, the Zeitgeist movement can do that and they can say, you know, all this is repackaged Babylonian mystery religious. And they're right. They're right about the Catholic religion. But it has nothing to do with Bible believing Christianity. So anyway, I'm going to play this um, up to the 41 second mark on this clip, and then I'm going to play another clip right after that, and it relates very much to what we're talking about today. So just wait a second. Okay, okay. So this first clip, we're seeing the main Catholic priest that's joined the fight against the V's, and he's preaching to his congregation and um, a whole congregation of people. And this is his this is his message. I was lost, but now now I am found. I lost the courage to tell you the truth. That you need to choose who you are going to follow. The these or God. Because you can't serve two masters. And he's right about that. I mean, I think there's a lot of things in here that are it's almost like with the Kabbalah. People that are involved in high-level Kabbalah, which is the highest form of like Jewish mysticism, witchcraft, okay, and, and most of the people in the very highest echelons of the Illuminati are involved in the Kabbalah. It's very, very high-level witchcraft, essentially. And what they do is prior to them doing typically anything, they like to give us the actual truth much of the time. So that we, when when these things overtake us, whatever they've planned for us. They feel as though we've been forewarned, and they take great pleasure in the fact that we're powerless to do nothing about it. 
It's part of the Kabbalistic principle of that particular sect of witchcraft. And so he's saying here, you know, we got to choose whom to stay, who you're going to serve, essentially. You know, you can't serve two masters. And he's right. He's right. So um, I thought that was rather telling, even though it's coming from a Catholic priest. But let's go further. I know some of you are confused, but we must stand for what we believe. We must reaffirm our devotion to God and renounce the V's as false prophets. Even a single Judas in our midst can defeat us. So what's happening is he's saying this, and, he, and it's it's all true. Unfortunately, he's doing it from a Catholic platform, which they don't have the answer to anything. Um, people are getting up and leaving because people have already made up their mind they're gonna they're gonna serve the V's, and they don't like what he's saying. They don't believe it. You know, they've been shown too much to uh, believe what he's saying. There's a war upon us. Okay, so that's basically the end of that particular clip. Now, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go to the next clip here. Okay, so this next one is a promo for the new the uh, new V series for um, the new series um, season that we've got here. It's episode two. And it's called They're Changing Us. And I thought this was rather telling as well. So I'm going to roll this one. When the visitors arrived, they said they came in peace. They lied. Now what it's showing is when it said they came in peace, they lied. It's showing all of these motherships essentially out in space waiting to basically bear down and destroy humanity. Everything that has happened since their arrival has been plotted against us. New ABC this January. They're changing us. From breeding. Okay. Humans think they're... So she said they're changing us through their technology. Why? Then she said for breeding. Now, hold on. We can harken back to Genesis 6 and we've got the same scenario going on in Genesis 6, right? We've got fallen angels procreating with women with a hybrid offspring for breeding. Okay, now we're going to get more into this. I'm not going to say a whole lot more about this right this second. We're going to go into some Bible verses and look at that in much greater depth. But isn't that weird what Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And the biggest thing, if you went back to Noah's day, the biggest story you would come back if you took a news crew back from them, was the fallen angels breeding with human women in a byproduct race of giants, which is derived from the Hebrew word Nephilim, which means fallen ones. And it was so bad that God had to destroy the whole world. The whole world had been so corrupted. So, a lot of parallels there. Let's go further. Building a future. If you're digging their own graves, I will take you down. No one can comprehend the magnitude of what is coming. ABC's V. They return Tuesday, January 4th on ABC. So, you might say, well, it's just one show and it's just entertainment and these types of things. But this has been a very common theme in a lot of the alien shows. There's been so much... Billions, there's been billions and billions of dollars spent on conditioning the masses regarding this particular subject. Now, um, I'm going to give you some Bible verses that relate to this whole subject. Ephesians 2.20, and again, these are going to build on one another, so kind of bear with me on this. Ephesians 2.20 said, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Okay, so... 
Jesus Christ is referred to as the chief cornerstone here. 1 Peter 2.6 says, Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, which is in the particular in the New Testament, that means Zion, that means Jerusalem, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Okay, that's Jesus Christ. Now, do you want to be confounded in the coming days? I mean, I've given you all these scenarios of how they're going to try to confound you. But the Bible says, he that believeth on him, meaning Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, will not be confounded. That's another verse you can quote. Granted, pray for discernment and wisdom, which is, you know, remember, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Jesus Christ said, be not deceived. He kept saying that over and over regarding the end times. So the earmark of the end times is deception. So we should be really on guard that we're, you know, going out of our way so that we're not being deceived. Going further, the next verse says, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, meaning Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is the head of the corner. Well, in what way does that mean? Well, when he came to earth, he came to his own, and the Bible says his, his, his own, his own people, the Jews, received him not. Okay? So, he, in, in that particular way, this chief cornerstone, the, the builders disallowed. The same has become the head of the corner. Okay, so they rejected Jesus Christ when he first came. And then the next verse, 1 Peter 2, 8 says, and, the stone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they are also appointed. So, again, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, Whenever you see this stuff, what they always want to focus on with the alien and the UFOs and a lot of other things is how can we attack Christianity? How can we disprove the word of God? Okay, Why? Because Jesus Christ is offensive to uh, a secular world. He is offensive to an unsaved world. He's a stone of stumbling. He's a rock of offense. He's offensive because everybody else wants to earn their way to wherever they're going. Well, I'm basically a good person. Well, I'm basically a good Hindu. Well, I'm basically a good Mormon. Well, I'm basically a good Seventh-day Adventist. Well, I'm this or I'm that. They're all earning their way to whatever they call it, whether it's heaven, hell, nirvana, paradise, whatever. I'm a good Muslim. I blew up a thousand people, and I went to be with paradise. No, you didn't. You went straight to hell. They're, it's all works-based religions. Jesus Christ is totally different. The, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's different. And because it's a gift and you can't work for it, many people are offended just by that. Well, they can't be. I've, I've invested my whole life in this religion. And it can't just be as easy as accepting a gift. I want to earn my way there. Well, you can try, but you won't be able to do it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So Jesus Christ is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Uh, Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were also appointed. Mm. The wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. Ow. I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible says. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not saying, turn this into like a Calvinistic debate, but I'm saying God has foreknowledge of who's going to get saved and who's not. Okay, yes, we all have free will. Totally, okay? There has to be some balance between, 
that whole discussion there, okay? But the Bible is very clear, you know, uh, saying to Jeremiah, you know, before I formed thee in the womb, I, I, I um, ordained thee a prophet under the nations. So, I mean, he knows before we're even formed in the womb how we're going to end up turning out. Because he knows the beginning from the end. He's not subject to time. He already knows what's going to happen to Revelation. Therefore, he knows how our lives are going to turn out. Okay? Um, the Bible talks about in Hebrews, these are uh, these, these um, uh, evil people are vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction. What is that word fitted? It means prepared aforetime. They're prepared ahead of time for God's destruction. Uh, you know... I don't understand it all. I'm not saying I do. I'm just telling you, I can quote you Bible verses and, and prove that case over and over. Um, so, and again, I've done that in several, and there's way more verses I can quote than that regarding that particular um, uh, particular subject. Okay, let's look at this verse real quick. Uh, Jude, verse 3 and 4, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful, needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, which is what we try to do every week here. Okay? And it says, why? Verse 4 answers, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained. They were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness. Remember, you're saved by grace. The grace of God through faith, faith in Jesus Christ, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, which is like carnal perversion type of thing. Okay, And denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's ultimately where they always will wind up. So, anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. Let's go further. And then the next verse, but ye are a chosen generation. These are born-again Bible-believing Christians. A royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. So praise the Lord. Um, and then the next verse, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. In other words, what does that mean? That means that there's born-again Christians all over the world. In times past, they weren't any particular one people. Why? Because they were scattered among the nations. Okay, They weren't a particular people. But once they were saved, now they are the people of God. Okay, which had, And then it says, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The Bible says, if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It said there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, barbarian or Scythian. Okay? So, again, we could go down all kind of rabbit trails for these, but just wanted to touch on that. Then Matthew, and again, I'm getting to a point here. Okay? The point that I'm getting to is Jesus Christ is, is referred to as the, the uh, chief cornerstone okay, in the New Testament. One of his titles. Then Matthew twenty one forty two says, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Okay, He is the stone that the builders rejected, but now he's become the head of the corner. 
Okay, again, then, then, then two verses later, Matthew 21, 44 says, And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. If you fall on the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, you'll be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So you want to fall on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, essentially. Okay? And Jesus Christ can do a lot of things and, you know, take you through some dark valleys. Okay? In order to purify you, in order to test your faith, in order to try you, in order to make you a vessel fitted for the Master's use. Okay? As the Bible talks about. But if you don't get saved, okay, and you refuse this stone, this chief cornerstone, if it falls on you, it will grind you to powder. Not a good thing. Now, I'm getting to a point here. I'm building to a point. I've never done this before. But the Lord kind of showed me these verses the other night. I started having these verses come in my head as I was reading this, and it took me from one verse to another to another, and I thought this was really neat. Okay. Now, let's go to Daniel. This is so cool. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Daniel 2.34. Now remember, whosoever shall fall on the stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. <laughs> Whew, this is awesome. Daniel 2.34 says, Thou sawest... Now this is Daniel giving Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of his dream. Not the whole interpretation, but partly. So... Daniel says, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet. Now, this is the image of all the kingdoms, you know, that he showed Nebuchadnezzar. You know, and finally you get to the feet of, of clay and iron, okay? Which is where we're at right now, where we're going to have ten kingdoms, ten kings, clays of feet and iron, okay? This is the, the time period of which we're going into. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet. Where did the stone smite? The stone that was cut without hands. What did it smite? It smote the feet. The clay and iron feet of this particular statue. Why did it smite the feet? Well, the other, the other kingdoms had already come and gone. They had already come and gone. It was the last kingdom that was smashed by this stone that was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Now remember, if Jesus Christ falls on you, the chief cornerstone, he will grind you to powder. And isn't it kind of funny that the, that the very ten toes, which is going to be the essence of the coming Antichrist system, Jesus Christ is going to smite that, particularly when he comes back at the Battle of Armageddon, with the sword of the Spirit which is in his mouth, King of kings and Lord of lords on his thigh, coming back with his saints, and he is going to wipe out the Antichrist, and the false pro and, and he is going to wipe out this million-man army at Armageddon. That's going to be the start of that. I mean, that's going to essentially be the culmination and the climax of this. And then the next verse, and as the toes of the feet were part iron and part clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. 
Next verse. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, get this, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Now hold on. If it says they, it can't mean a human race. Why? Because they're referring to it as they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Well, what does that imply? That implies it's not a a race, it's not a human race. If it said if it was another human race, it would say like this particular part of humanity tried to mingle themselves with this part of humanity. It doesn't say that. It says they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another. Now, if you look that word cleave up in the Hebrew, it means to aptly fit, to fit right. A good fit, like when you put a shoe on and it's just the right size. It says, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. They, with the seed of men? Does that imply some type of hybridization of some other race to the seed of man? I mean, what else could it mean? What else could it possibly mean? Think about it. I'll confirm, I'm going to confirm this more. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another. That word cleaves means to aptly fit, even as iron is not mixed with clay. I believe this is the reason why we don't have, at least at this point, we don't have like it was in the days of Noah where the giants had literally taken over. The fallen angels had procreated with the women and, you know, essentially to the point where these things had taken over and they were literally, um, they had really t- literally taken over the world. I don't think this time around God's going to permit that. Not to the extent it was in Noah's day where God had to wipe the whole world out with a flood. Save eight people. Why? The seed of mankind, and I believe even the seed of the animals, they had they had tampered with that, had been so corrupted. And the book of Enoch gets into this. Now, I only recommend one version. It's the blue hard hard uh, label. It's a hardback book of Enoch. I'm not saying it's canon of scripture, but I've done whole teachings on this. And I do believe there's insight within that particular book that we can glean. And the one that I, the only one I used was, was translated from a Baptist... Um, a source, and it has all the cross-referencing King James Bible verses that confirm it back and forth within it. And if you go and, and you search, it's a blue hard label, uh, hardback, I'm sorry. Um, that's the only one I recommend. You can email me, I'll, I'll email you the the uh, thing on it, or if you want to buy it or whatever. Um, my email address is on the right-hand side of contendingfortruth.com. Anyway, I'm not saying it's canon of Scripture, I'm saying... From a commentary standpoint, is how I'm using it. This is a commentary. Okay, it does shed a whole lot of light on this particular subject. It's like a much expanded view of Genesis six. Okay, so um, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another. A common theme you will see in a lot of these UFO shows or scenarios or movies is a ongoing attempt by these supposed 
alien races to create the perfect human-alien hybrid, which most of the time they're not able to fully pull off for one reason or another. Even in this V thing, if you look at that, I saw a little clip, and that one guy, he has a wife, okay, and supposedly he gets her pregnant and she brings this devil baby to term. Well, he goes up on the mothership and he finds his devil babies in this primordial little tube where they, they're keeping it. And they're studying this human V devil baby thing because they've never been able to do this. The Vs have not been able to successfully create a human hybrid race. Now again, how much truth there is in all that, I can't say for sure. But I can say one thing. The abduction scenarios you see over and over and over again. Women literally turning up pregnant and they have had sex with no one. But they were taken aboard, abducted, taken aboard the mothership, impregnated in some way, shape or form. Their bodies are used as essentially like a brood mother breeding gestational tube. And then five or six months into the pregnancy, all of a sudden they get re-abducted again. Um, and the baby's gone. They're trying to create some type of hybrid race. I just don't believe they've been able to be near as successful as they were in the days of Noah. I think God's put some type of restriction on that. Again, very hard for me to be dogmatic about that particular subject. I'm giving you my theory. I don't, can't say for sure. Not like I've been taken aboard a mothership. You know, or been shown this. Maybe the Lord will show me in detail someday. I don't know. But it says here in the Bible, we can we can have a real good clue. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, which is the absolute common theme of all the abduction scenarios. What, what I mean, and all these people that get abducted, what are they? What are these supposed gray aliens or the reptilians? What are they always obsessed with? The reproductive systems of the humans, always. And yeah, they implant things in people and do all kind of horrific. Um, experimentations and things of this nature, but they're obsessed with the reproductive because they're trying to create some type of hybrid race as it was in the days of Noah, most likely. And then it goes on to say, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. You can't mix iron and clay together. No matter how hard you try, it's not ever going to mix aptly. You might be able to have ten toes, like in, in, the, in the thing, where ten toes and clay, and you can kind of slap it together, but it's never going to fit aptly. It's never going to fit right. It's always going to be, you know, it's always going to be inferior. Okay? So, then the next verse says, As, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, what kings are we in reference to? I believe the reference to the ten kings of the ten toes. Okay? And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all the kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Well, what is that? What is that representative? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that's the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, which is where we have, whether you believe in a three and a half year tribulation or seven year tribulation, Okay, when Jesus comes back in Armageddon, he is setting up his thousand-year millennial reign here. Okay, what would that be representative? We've got the stone, the chief cornerstone, that is going to literally be the same stone that destroys the 
the, the, the toes of iron and clay, which is the last kingdom, prior to Jesus Christ setting up his millennial reign, God shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and he will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. I mean, it, it seems really obvious, and then it said, and it shall stand forever. That's what, that's what it is. I mean, praise the Lord, it totally confirms scripture. And then the next verse, Daniel 2.45, For as much as thou sawest the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, which is in representative of Jesus Christ, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. Now that's saying it's breaking in pieces all. But where does it strike first? It strikes the, the toes of clay and iron. Okay, But ultimately, all of these other kingdoms are, are, are essentially done away with through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, And then, um, the great God hath made known to the king, in this case, King Nebuchadnezzar, through Daniel, what shall come to pass thereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. Next verse. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, you couldn't have much more of a prideful guy. You know what I mean? I mean, God had to humble him and everything, but here you got Daniel, you know, saying this stuff to him. King Nebuchadnezzar knew this was truth. Knew that he knew that he knew this was truth. So much so that he fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. And the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is the God of God and the Lord of kings. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus Christ, Nebuchadnezzar. You got it right. And a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, again, just to reaffirm things, Luke 17.26 says, As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus Christ talking here, so shall it be in the, also in the days of the coming, in the days of the Son of Man, when Jesus Christ makes his return. Genesis 6.1, okay, what, what was it in the days of Noah? I'm just telling you this. I know I've already repeated this, but I'll just give it to you from the scripture. Genesis 6.1, okay, what was going on in Noah's day? And it came to pass, when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, and that term in the King James Bible occurs, I believe, four times, um, or five. Here, twice in Genesis 6, and then I think three or four in Job. It is always in reference to angels. It is not in reference to this, the godly line of Seth, as most seminaries teach, because they're deathly afraid that this scenario could happen in our end times. They're, I mean, come on. It, it's true, they're afraid. I think, well, that's not politically correct either. and We don't want to scare our congregation. Don't you want to give them the truth? The Bible says, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? What is truth? The Bible says, thy word is truth. We're just teaching you from the Bible. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that term, sons of God, always, in the Old Testament, and I understand in the New, well, yeah, but sons of, we're referred to as sons of God in the New, yeah, right. But in the Old Testament, if we look at comparing Scripture to Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, it is only used in reference to angels in the Old Testament. And the New, we've got, it's, number one, it's a totally different language, Greek, and it's, it's, it's in reference to born-again Bible-believing Christians. Okay? 
that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. When the sons of God, okay, what was, how, how did the giants get here? Well, it says it right here. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bare them children to them. The same became mighty men, which were men of old, men of renown. Hmm, giants. That term, that term is translated from the word Nephilim, which means fallen ones. They were not human. They were half human, half fallen angel. If they were just good, the godly line of Seth, why were they churning out giants who weren't even human? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it makes perfect sense if it was, if it was angels, good angels that had fallen. The sons of God, when they saw the daughters of men, they still hadn't fallen yet, but when they fell, they became fallen angels. And then they, this is the, they, the Bible talks about them in um, Jude. It says that they left their first estate. Well, their first estate means their first home, their abode. Okay? That's how the Bible refers to them in, in Jude. They left their first estate and they went after strange flesh. See, for, a, for an angel to go after a human female... That is strange flesh. They're, they're, they're two beings that are not compatible with one another. It, it's not of God's will that an angel goes. The Bible talks about angels neither marry nor, or, nor are given in marriage. They're not supposed to, but they can procreate if they fall. And it's real obvious that's what happened in Genesis 6. But they're not supposed to marry or given in marriage. They're not supposed to do that. They left, they had to leave their first estate, which was heaven, fall to earth, essentially. They fell, fallen angels, and then they pro- they took them wise all that they chose and they procreated with them. We should be looking for the same thing to happen in our day, but I believe it's not going to happen near to the same extent because they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave. They shall not aptly fit. Which is, like I said, coincidentally, a huge gigantic theme, like I had talked about that thing with V. The, the main uh, lady in V, the main mother witch goddess thing lady, was intrigued by how this guy, who was a V, was able to procreate with a human and actually pull off a live offspring that was, um, seemed, you know, like, um, it, it, was, it was living, it, 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 it was doing well. Okay, they couldn't they couldn't figure out how to do that, which is confirmation of that particular uh, verse. And I, I, I love his response to it. He says, "You wouldn't understand. It was made by love." <laughs> I'm thinking, what lizard love? I mean, you can, I mean, these things are lizards, you know. I mean, they're, they're they're serpents, you know. I mean, that's how they portray them in V. So I mean, I don't know. I guess they call it lizard love. But anyway, that's how he said it. they were able to pull it off. Anyway, it was a real hallmark moment there, a real tearjerker. Um, Anyway, uh, Genesis 6, 5, and God saw, now continuing here on Genesis 6, 5, and God saw, what was the byproduct of these Nephilim, this hybrid race? Well, here's, here's the fruit, okay? Remember, a tree is known by its fruit? Well, here was the fruit. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow. That's kind of the way we're heading right now, but it, you know, I don't think it's ever going to get that bad again because God had to wipe the whole world out. It's going to get bad, but God had to wipe the whole world out with a flood, save eight people. Um, 
and then Genesis 6, 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah's seed hadn't been corrupted. The Bible says, talks about him, he was perfect in his generations, meaning his seed line, his DNA had not been corrupted. I think once your seed line's corrupted, you're done. Jesus Christ didn't come here to save part human, part fallen angel, Nephilim-like creatures. He wiped them all out in that day. Why? Satan had prepositioned them there to corrupt the seed line of man so that the Messiah and the Savior could not come. But he couldn't pull it off. God was smarter than him, and I'm sure ten steps ahead of him. So anyway, then the Bible says in Genesis 6.11, the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, and more fruit of this type of thing. Which again, this is what we should be expecting, as it was in the days of Noah. Hmm. Wow, that's not really good. Every imagination, the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. I mean, that's where we're moving toward. I mean, it's getting worse. The earth was also corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. Another thing we should be expecting. And then it says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So, all these people that say, well, things are going to get better, and we're going to get, like the dominionists, we're going to get just better and better and better, and so much so that we're going to usher in this wonderful utopian Christian-like system into the earth, and we're going to take America back, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. I don't see any Bible for it. Does it mean I don't want it to happen? No, obviously I would much rather prefer that, but I see no Bible for it. I see no Bible for things getting better and better and better. I see Bible for things getting worse and worse and worse. I think we're also to always earnestly contend for the faith. We're to never give up. We're to be salt and light. We're to expose and reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them. We're supposed to be Christians no matter what. You know, um, no matter what's going on around us, that doesn't mean that we shut down and we not we say, well, I give up, I throw I throw my the towel in. Well, if that's what it's going to take to for God to test you, then he's He's just tested you and you failed. You know? Um, we want to be overcomers. You know, we want to be overcomers. We fight until the bitter end. We do not give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not deny Him. We do not turn our back on Him. There's never an excuse in the Bible where it says you can turn your back on Jesus Christ. You don't have to be an overcomer. You can just live any way you want to live. You can be lukewarm. You said that prayer a long time ago. You're sealed and you're delivered and everything's good. No, there's fruit and there's evidence of you being an overcomer, a true born-again Christian. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, goodness, temperance, you know, these types of things. You know, if, if you're living like that, the Bible says, of whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. Well, what is a bastard? A bastard is an illegitimate son. So if you have somebody that's given up on God and walked away and has no conviction of sin, they're not saved, most likely. I mean, how could they be? Of whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteth. He's going to spank you if you're his kid. You're not going to just be able to get away with, you know, anything that you want to get away with and, and have no conviction about it. It's not a real good sign that you were ever saved in the first place. The, the Bible also says that we were more than overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so even us being an overcomer, is it's all through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all through faith in Him. It's all through that. The Bible also says, pray that you be accounted worthy 
Jesus Christ said this regarding the end times. Pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the world and to stand before the Son of Man. So, these are things that, you know, you need to maybe be thinking about and, and definitely some valid things to, uh, to look upon there. Uh, let's go back to the article. Even if you don't believe the UFO over the Temple Mount in Jerusalem videos are legit, or don't trust the news site, or the author for that matter, or that the video is actually from Jerusalem, even though it's filmed from four different people from four different angles and it all shows the exact same thing, or that the alien UFO phenomenon is real, the point of me sharing this story with you is to demonstrate how it is being shoved down our throats yet again. That's the point. The conditioning process continues. So in the span of a single week, we witness the following. The Global Competitors... Competitiveness Forum of 2011, which had as its theme contact, learning from outer space. Okay, we already covered that. And then President Obama saying in his SOTU address that this is our nation's Sputnik moment, end of quote. And then the order out of chaos blueprint begins with an unprecedented chaos in Egypt and other parts of the Middle East. Not to say that that's the only chaos that we've seen, but it's part. And then, an apparent video from Jerusalem in Israel of a UFO over the Temple Mount, Dome of the Rock, filmed by four different people from four different angles that all indicate the same thing. And then he goes on to say, yep, I classify that as more evidence of, quote, signs of the time all around us. Time is perilously short. The time for spiritual preparation is almost over. I don't write any of this from a spirit of fear or to even foster a spirit of fear, but to merely point out to you as what I'm seeing obvious now. I agree. And then he says, I pray you see it too. Pray for wisdom and discernment in the days and weeks ahead. Repent because his judgments are coming. Rest in him and on his word. Okay, now, the next article here is... Let me pause this for a second. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go to part uh, three here. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, part three. Um, Because I'm really lagging behind in this particular study. I've been talking so much. I'm only on page nine of the 22-page study. So I'm going to go ahead and go to part three here, and we'll go from there. God bless you.